hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. back on the toilet again i think i think i'm perfectly safe where i am i think i'll i'm not gonna move i'm gonna stay very still and whatever that groaning is i'm not gonna be concerned about it oh hey theo it's sorry i just got back from the bathroom it was fine what's what's oh do you need to go back there you hear that noise oh no i are you okay your stomach that's i mean i know you ate a big bean burrito for dinner but (laughs) I mean, you know how much I love my loose beans and some some tortilla. That you, but, you, you know. You're the kind of guy who goes to Chipotle and they say, "What kind of rice would you say like?" And you say, "No, no." And they say, "What kind of beans would you like?" And you say, "All, yes, yes. all beans, yeah. all beans, all the time." Lather them in there. Give me that. And do you know what I say to burrito. that? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, it's Frankenstein's monster. Oh. He's, he's here. <laughs> oh, and that's it's the not your stomach. Was, that, oh, okay, I get it. Somebody I was trying to do it. I see what you're doing. Yeah. He's spooky, you know, he's, but he's also he's also out here. <laughs> he eats big bean burritos more than you do. I mean, I guess, I guess he's learning from you. Have we thought that maybe he has a stomach ache? Have we thought that maybe he just really needs X-lax? Yeah. Just a little... <laughs> dose of he, it there's t- two things do you think maybe he doesn't like flames because he's constantly <laughs> farting like he, he's, it's a, it's a danger gas. Ooh, fire no fart oh, yes no. <laughs> maybe dr Dude. frankenstein forgot forgot a part that regulates his his bowels maybe maybe he's not completely whole maybe he's still missing a part have you guys seen a big? I'm sorry, I'm disrupted. Are you having a conversation about beans? Yeah, this is bean. This is Beancast. Uh, the or Podbean. No, wait, that's the service we use. Never mind. This, service, is, be, this yes, is Beancast. Welcome to Beancast. Sorry. Um, care to introduce yourself? I'm Doctor Acula. Doctor Acula. Well, welcome to the Beancast. Uh, what beans have you brought for us for us today? Mmm, red beans, the color of blood. Anyway, (laughs) have you seen my... If you're talking about beans, that must mean I'm on the right track. I'm looking for my friend Frankie. Have you seen Frankie? He he just stumbled out uh, saying something about uh, Amelia's taqueria, and he really needed to get over there. (laughs) Quesadilla! (laughs) Oh, that sounds like him for sure. <laughs> you guys have a whole other thing going on here. I don't, we're just trying to record Beancast. I guess we'll take your offering of red beans. Thanks. I'll, um, hey, I'll hey. put these in the stockpile. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm a big wolf, man. <laughs> what is the deal? Jim's just a rotating hey, hey. open mic for all the monsters over here on Beancast. Sorry. We, are, we call ourselves the Monster Squad. You, you, you do? 
I mean, the regular person squad full of regular people with regular jobs. I feel like I should lock my door. I I feel like I should stop letting these people just wander into my house. Hey, you know what I think you should do? You should you know, slather yourself with barbecue sauce. I think that would be barbecue baked beans. Oh, Ooh, I see, baby. <laughs> Some baked beans gotta love that. Anyway, uh, it's not even a full moon out. What am I doing? <laughs> full moon. Is okay, we secret? need to get out of here, Frankie. Frankie, no, no, <gasps> no. Beans are not. Beans. <laughs> He's trying to go after the beans in your house. Why do you have so many beans in here? <laughs> sort of my, Absolutely. sort of my whole deal. I mean, Ooh. maybe I'm the monster. Am I, you know am I the one who's wrong? Am I so wrong? Beans are full of iron, and that's good for your blood. I should get out of here. We should go. Monster squad, away! All right, and and uh, I'm locking my door. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was watching that on my thing, and I muted. I'm sorry. that it, Because I was dealing with this guy, and he was, he was yeah. a little bit weird. He smelled like a swamp, and he looked like a fish. Oh. Yeah. He smelled like a swamp? He smelled like a swamp and looked like a fish. Oh. Gross. He was was very polite. He was... (laughs) He came in, he was like, Oh, hello. I'm Bean Man. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's looking for Bean Man. (laughs) (laughs) I said Green Man. (laughs) Yes, he's also a Bean Man man in this. (laughs) But anyway, that's just... That just sometimes happens... On the spookiest day of the year. He's back. Get out of here. Get out of here. Dr. I locked Acula. my door. Welcome to Segment City, everybody. Trick-or-treating capital of the world. We only give out the big bars. Mm. And that's a fact. That's a fact. Take that to the bank. My name is Will Kane, and you know what? Maybe I'm the Swamp Thing. Oh, shoot. Maybe you are the Swamp Thing. And I'm Theo Sapakos, and... Um, you can you can sew my head back together. I don't know. So you're. <laughs> I was trying to think of Frankenstein. I was like, that's not anything. Uh, I'm hold on. I'm doing some August and I'm covered in toilet paper. There you go, mummy. Just Boom. Halloween you outfit. You didn't say. You didn't say sew my head back together. You said sew my head back together again, and my brain like that is a complete sentence. My but Wait. my brain did say that it already happened to you. Like. That is just the keeps my, my face just keeps falling off. I, just, I gotta keep sewing it back uh, together. Uh, <laughs> Come on, get me <laughs> some duct tape here. But anyway, this is a podcast in which Theo and I, we just talked to some ghouls and ghosts. Am I right, my man? No, we no, actually get the, the choicest, spookiest segments from the internet. We, we dumpster dive into that all that candy corn. Because everybody's throwing oh, that it out. nasty can that nasty dumpster full of candy corn, and we get give you the best pieces of candy corn, which we, is sometimes we come up with like a, a like a, a grapes that somebody had thought that like you know like feel in the box. It's like oh it's eyeballs oh, yeah. oh but it's grapes oh it's <laughs> intestines no it's spaghetti. I mean all you got you never think about it, but once that food has been all handled by people, they got it thrown away, and we end hey. up dealing with it. Theo, have you ever actually fucking done that? Has anyone has anyone yeah. opened a door? I bet at a party, like maybe they would have like a display that nobody would touch with, like put your hand in and you'll oh, <laughs> eyeballs and everyone's feel, like, "Oh, come and no. feel my eyeballs! I've got loose eyeballs here." 
Ooh, have you children ever heard of waterboarding? Would you like to waterboard yourself <laughs> oh, no. by trying to app bob for apples? Yeah, Ooh, no. Halloween parties, eyeballs. Like nobody. D- <laughs> Imagine if you opened hey, up children, the fucking door want- and somebody was like, "Children, welcome to my abode. You may have your." A pound of flesh, as it were, but only if you reach into my box of mysteries. Mm. Oh, what, what, oh, your curious fingers, what are they touching? Ooh, does it feel like eyeballs, intestines? Like nobody, <laughs> no, nobody's ever done that in real life, right? Right? I mean, I'm sure it's right. come from somewhere. I, I imagine that I've done it at some point in my life, right? Like it's like a classic holiday, Halloween thing. But my point is, is it uh, is it just the things that people talk about, or has, do people do it a lot? Because I feel like skinning a bunch of grapes is a <laughs> hell of a process. That's a lot Who's of work for a bit that nobody gives a shit to about. Be out here peeling all these grapes. <laughs> Who's peeling all these grapes? Maybe you could just squeeze them, and they just like shoot out. <laughs> maybe something is good enough. Maybe there's a that trick. Maybe the, yeah. Maybe it's really easy. Or is, maybe someone, some Halloween monster, really loves grape skins. Can you imagine Leatherface? But nope, it's all grape skins. Oops, all grape skins. <laughs> all right, give them the grape skins. <laughs> just throwing grape skins at them. But anyway, this is we haven't even gotten into our main courses of of segments. So let's start with a Will's spooky thought. Whoa, Will is a spooky thought. I was thinking about this, and I, I here's here's the thing I was thinking about. I was thinking about horror movies, as you do. My, th- at my thought is for this week, horror movies and comedy movies have had kind of opposite turns of fate. I feel like hmm. modern horror movies, like they're kind of opposites in a lot of ways, hmm. and I just kind of want to <laughs> go into those, okay? Because I feel like the modern comedy movie has kind of gone the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, we're like, snippets of comedy are so easy to come by at this point that why would you go watch a feature-length film where you're probably only laughing for, say, on a good movie, 50% of it? Because you can't, not every line can be a zinger, you know? Yeah. I love the short-form comedy, the 20-minute in-and-out sitcom. Love it. Yeah, Give me that. And then I compared to, because I'm going to put a pin in that point, because it was a good point of of how comedy has progressed. But horror, on the other hand, kind of had a resurgence in the 90s. Like, comedy has already always been big, but now currently it's bad, like (laughs) going downhill. Horror is on the upswing. And I also feel like they're opposites in a lot of ways and also very similar in a lot of ways. Hmm. Comedy movies and horror movies both work off of the idea of, like, a loop of building up tension and then releasing that tension. Yeah. Um, And so they have that. um, Comedy movies, though, seem to be very high budget. Hmm. Like, especially towards, like, Wedding Crashers, like, the more modern I think there are are still big names names. in comedy. Yeah. Well, I also think that comedy has taken the track of – Every every major blockbuster movie has comedy elements in it now, and you could yes, see that was you could see a comedy actor in a major role in any movie. Basically, like you know, you it's, you could see you could see Will Ferrell doing just about anything at this point, and just not be yeah. surprised about it. Because like if you look at a modern, because there's that terrible Sherlock Holmes Will Ferrell speaking of Will Ferrell <laughs> movie that completely bombed. And I think part of it was because it was a comedy. And I think I know everybody blames like 
everything, <laughs> all the societal ills and film going ills on the MCU. But I am actually going to lay this at the feet of the MCU <laughs> that they, because they did it so well. They did it. Incorporating the singers, comedy. Yeah, the comedies. Yeah, right. They can turn so anybody go, into a likable person who can deliver a, a, a nice little zinger that makes you laugh. Yeah. And, and like you said, like, you don't need to go to, you can get action with comedy right. now. Like, right. why would I just go for comedy when I can do... Because, like, horror and comedy also have a lot of other similarities of... It's very subjective. Right. Of Because, like you said, if I'm going to go to a comedy movie, I'm going to... I want to be absolutely busting a gut. Right. But because I think comedy is so expensive, and horror, on the other hand, is not, and mm-hmm. you get big returns, I think that's why we're seeing more of an uptick mm-hmm. of... <laughs> horror is, like, booming recently because you can just a24 can just be like here's a million dollars i don't know out of pocket and then you make like a horror movie that makes five million dollars yeah got four million dollars from Boom. that like you you got a big um and I i'm was always also kind of i'm always a little mm-hmm. bit surprised at how popular horror games are because i am like really mm-hmm. not the target demographic for that and yet i think they do really well like horror games keep getting made made and like there's a there's a lot of them out there I think that's another a niche. Like it's it's similar to the movies where I it's think a niche, the, but it's it's getting high. It's there are high budgets for horror. I mean, like look, they're remaking Dead Space and all that, right? Like oh, there are true. there I are mean, big names in horror that are are. I mean, honestly, Dead Space is is more of an action game than it is horror. Which <laughs> and as the the thing progress, like the series progressed, it got more and more. I think it's in terms of game horror, probably more because of YouTube mm-hmm. and like reaction people things. That, yeah, people. Watch, yeah, yeah, people screaming on <laughs> on their webcams Woo! so that that that's but that leads to like five nights and freddy's at freddy's was made on a budget of like a hundred dollars it seems like it was still <laughs> images basically <laughs> but like he made gangbusters on that right so i think like it has a different kind of vibe and i was also thinking about i don't think that comedy like as we know, correlation does not mean causation. So the decline of comedy, I think it's interesting that it ha- doesn't have anything to do with the increase in horror. Like they're totally set because mm-hmm. I don't, because you would normally think that comedy would be the opposite of horror, mm-hmm. but I don't th- necessarily think it is. I think the opposite of horror is actually big, dumb action movies hmm. because they, one, it's an opposite I think comedy and, and horror have too many similarities. They're almost like weird brethren. Whereas, like, I'm thinking of, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies. Sure. Where there's no, like, barely any tension because you know it's he's going to win. It's all brain dead fun. Yeah, you don't care. Like, you don't think the hero's ever going to die as opposed to horror. Um, it's built off of a different structure, not about, like, releasing, te- building up tension, releasing it. It's more of, like, a the entire movie is that <laughs> loop of, like, killing bad guys get to being bad guy. Um, and even the, the premise is if taking Arnold Schwarzenegger, him in commando, just like blowing people away, like that's fun. Mm -hmm. Then you make him the villain and that's Terminator, like big, tough action guy going against you. You're like, oh, this is bad. (laughs) Actually, this is horrifying. (laughs) If you actually take an unstoppable killing machine and like sick them on regular people. Um, so anyway, those are, those are just some, some loose thoughts about comedy and horror movies, especially. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. This, this, this episode, we're we're doing a lot of thinking about it. We're in that spook month. It's a spooky, it's a spooky spectacular. Anyway, so let's go on to your next spooky segment. Well, my next spooky segment, I have two quick ones. 
two quick hits Ooh. and two in the news okay. in the newses as it were. This first one is really fast. It's from yesterday as of recording. Uh, and it comes to us from uh, ABC Seven Eyewitness News. Eyewitness. Eyewitness. What on do the you ground. see, sir? Yeah, well, I saw I <laughs> saw a big fireball in the light, in the sky, and you know what? It turned into a dragon. You heard it here that? first on Channel Seven Eyewitness News. Only the most credible people. T- we didn't say it was the truth. We just said we just said somebody witnessed news. it. Yeah, somebody witnessed the thing. This one comes to us from Half Moon Bay, California. A horticulture teacher from Minnesota set a new U.S. record Monday for the heaviest pumpkin after raising Ooh. a giant gourd weighing 2,560 pounds. <laughs> okay, it's, in, it's I, not even in tons. Yes, it's not even in tons, but it's, it's oh, jeez. It's still fucking huge. Okay. getting up there. I, you're probably going to get into this in the article. Is there a picture of this person standing next to the giant gourd? Well, I need why to do know. you ask all the bad questions? Of course there is. How could there not be? <laughs> okay, that was, Someone well, I had was to worried. snap a pic. I love this story because it's so Midwestern. Uh, Travis Geinger of Annika, Minnesota, set the new record and won an annual pumpkin weighing contest in Northern California. Quote, Minnesota has a great mid-year, but our spring, our spring in our parts is really, really tough. So to do it in Minnesota, it just shouldn't happen, Ganger said. It's like winning the Tour de France on a big wheel. You know, you can only <laughs> hope, but it worked. Ganger oh, I love this guy. Ganger drove the gargantuan gourd for 35 hours to see his hard work pay off Whoa. on the 49th World Championship pumpkin way off in Half Moon Bay, <laughs> south of San Francisco. Quote, you think driving us in a snowstorm is bad? Try driving one of these things, he says. <laughs> Oh my god. That's so good. That's, like, he hopped in the pumpkin itself and started like zooming on it. He's like, I put four wheels onto it, and you know what? It's a pretty economical vehicle. I hollowed it out and mileage. I put in a I put in a, a, a papita powered motor and, and then we're off to the races. He had to probably he I mean he probably had a truck, but he if it's that long of a time, he had to take at least one break. Like at a motel. Or no, he was so excited that he just did it straight. He just drove straight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, what if he's like, somebody might steal my gourd? Get me a double bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Get me two oh, beds geez. and I'll sleep at the other bed. Uh, he also won the contest in Northern California in 2020. Broke a record set last week in New York, where a grower raised a massive pumpkin weighing 2,554 pounds, oh, six pounds less. A grower in Italy holds the world record for the heaviest pumpkin, weighing 2,702 pounds squash in 2021 according to the guinness book of world records that was just a quick one i think his quotes are fantastic he compares it to just driving in a snowstorm i think it's so good very good i love well I love done, that sir. man so much uh which takes us to our main in the news in the food news from the takeout Sunmade knows it's the villain on halloween you know who Sunmade is correct the the drink no. Manufacturer? Sun the raisins. Sun-made raisins. raisins. Oh, okay. <laughs> they know they're the villains. <laughs> there's something, there's, I think there's a writing advice that it's like, make your villains think that they're the hero. Yeah. There's something I find so interesting about somebody who's like, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Duh. All right, so the article starts off, as a food writer, you quickly learn that major food brands can be pretty skittish about opening up. From fast food chains to grocery aisle mainstays, the makers makers of food and drinks we consume every day are often surprisingly tight-lipped about the choices they make around innovation and marketing, unless they're being super horny on Twitter. That's just an aside (laughs) for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. They, also, I mean, I love that it's not a fucking black box. They this isn't the <laughs> Pentagon. Like right. it's fucking Wendy's. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Like uh, presumably because they're insecure about see, being seen in unfavorable light. Sunmade is not one of them. In 2021, <laughs> the brand celebrated the Halloween season by mounting Raisin House, a real-life interacted haunted house in New Jersey dedicated to the <laughs> horror of receiving dried fruit while trick-or-treating. <laughs> De- <laughs> oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. There's so much stuff there. It was, <laughs> imagine, imagine being in New Jersey. It's like, hey, you, you hear about the fucking raisin haunted house, and you're like, what? <laughs> I was Sorry? terrified. I couldn't get through the thing. Are you kidding me? That's a nightmare. Yeah, all these dried fruits oh i've been eating fruit leather for my entire life Ooh. and that is terrifying <laughs> boom maybe this is our impression yeah every person from new jersey Everybody is from would. greece i took that box of raisins and i went zing right into the ocean <laughs> boom baby boom i threw it and i got a good arm uh, so there's an interview here with uh, fernando herrera head of marketing for sunmade about the rep- company's reputation as the biggest trick-or-treat buzz- <laughs> trick buzzkill every <laughs> Halloween and how I'm, the brand I'm, leans into the annual tradition of being everyone's least favorite. I'm going to push back on that thing. <laughs> Getting floss is the worst thing. Who gives out floss? What neighborhood people are you absolutely, in? What are you talking about? People absolutely have given out floss. There is people online. Send us an email at segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com or hit up our Twitter at Segment City and say, if you've had de- somebody give you dental floss or toothbrush in, in a That's stupid obnoxious. attempt and to, maybe you're, to are you, counter you, the effects are you, of candy. Are you trick-or-treating in a neighborhood full of just dentists? Yeah. <laughs> <There's> dentists <laughs> in Dentalville? <laughs> like I said a few episodes ago, dentists. So, <laughs> and they're flossing. That's the I last time I trust that. a dentist. That's it. Dentists. No more. I'm done with this. So the takeout asks, how does your brand think about Halloween and marketing the product as something fun for kids? Fernanda Herrera responds. <laughs> we don't. If you were asking that question, let's say three years ago, we definitely have a different answer than this year. If you asked what are raisins role in Halloween, we would have said they're the alternative to sugary snacks. They're better for you. Blah, blah, blah. We authentically believe that. But we failed to <laughs> but what we failed to appreciate is the fact that nobody wants raisins for Halloween, honestly. <laughs> Wait, hold up, hold up. What what does that quote mean? I understand the first part where he's like, yeah, we would spin in a good like, like a PR. (laughs) But he's just like, oh, people actually don't like like it. They aren't just saying bullshit like me. No, they actually do not want it on this day. They want it nowhere near themselves. I think this this kind of calls out this PR person for just living a life of lies where they're just like, (laughs) somebody has a genuine, they genuinely don't like the reasons. I thought we were just talking shit. Like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. The the quote continues, we took our authenticity in a different direction. Rather than being authentic about the benefits of our food, we are authentic about recognizing that we don't have to be loved every single day. Halloween is a day where we're comfortable saying, you know what? The scariest thing for Halloween is getting freaking raisins. <laughs> no. The spookiest thing for Halloween is, ooh, post-capitalism marketing. Ooh. What the... F- so, I mean, we'll go on with the article. I have a lot of thoughts already about everything. That's how we've landed on how we can stay relevant to consumers during this Halloween season season as a raisin. Your raisins! Your raisins! <laughs> We Fuck found you. that through lo- through social listening is that even though we're not the most loved thing at Halloween, in fact, we're the scariest, there's a lot of chatter on 
and social conversation happening regarding us. We're not going to just oppose ourselves oh to God. candy and say we're the healthier alternative. We're just going to insert ourselves into the conversation. Yep, we're here. We know you don't want us, and that's okay. We're making fun of ourselves without being disrespectful to ourselves. This is this is post capitalism. Yes. When ooh when baby, and let me def- <laughs> let me actually because we it seems like we have a little lull in the story where I'm just gonna go yes, on a, a, yes, a tiny please. tirade. Go, you know what? You have the floor. Will post capitalism? I would like to define in a in a very popular sense the Wendy's Twitter. I think is a perfect example yes. where people people figured out marketing. They did marketing in like the 50s and 60s and 70s and it worked and everybody was like, okay, cool. But now we entered the internet age where everything is ironic and and everyone's like, is used to advertisements and they don't work. I see a commercial and I say, fuck you. Like (laughs) if I see a commercial, I hate the product immediately. Right. So they're like, okay, time to – the next frontier for us is to try to become your weird friend yeah. like and become personalities, but we're corporations. And this is another fucking part where they're just like, is we're it? just making fun of ourselves. <laughs> we're just injecting ourselves. Like he literally says, he we're says injecting we just, ourselves. We are, just we are trying to make a PR moment. Yeah. Like by ma- making ourselves I think ourselves it's so rel- good. It doesn't authentic. make me want to go. Listen, none of this makes me want to go out and buy raisins. Not Never in Absolutely my life not. have been like, I need... I have a, I have a but the, need, the a, point, I have a dark desire. My thirst can only be quenched by dried fruit, <laughs> by <laughs> raisin, by grapes that have been left out in the sun for way too long. All that dryness fuels my dark mm. desire. We like the the terrible flop movie <laughs> The Mummy with Tom Cruise uh, emaciated. We are devoid of moisture because we've been in a crypt for years and now we have emerged. And they now say you everybody... are what you eat. And look at my pruny skin. Can't you tell? Mm. Only Anyone raisins for me. Remember the California raisins? Remember those guys? <laughs> I ate anyway, them. Anyways. I'm bu- see you. Bye. See you. Bye. So Takeout asks, where are you taking things this year? He responds, we wanted to do it bigger and better with the same agency partners. The context as well where this... Uh, we were the scariest house on the block in 2021. Now, how do we? How? What about if we take over a town? Last year's house was in what? Monsterville, New Jersey, and this year's town is Halloween Town in Oregon. We're still what? talking about the same premise. The scariest thing for Halloween is getting raisins, but at a much bigger <laughs> scale, probably fivefold larger. The point is not to just do big productions. For instance, Monsterville existed before us. Halloween Town existed way before us. Let's go to a place that is already naturally, authentically Halloween and insert ourselves. Gross. Oh my God. Stop saying insert yourselves. That's a bad way to <laughs> take out ass. How do you advertise a snack that's as old as time? It's not like marketing a candy. <laughs> good point. Honestly, that's a really good interview question. That's like, how do you market something that doesn't change? Like, what? Yeah. Like, you the, can't adapt like the, the Charmin, the Charmin bears are out there marketing the same bolt. They're just wiping their ass on TV all, all the time. It's, there's no innovation in the States. We've gotten to the softest possible point. The Catholic Church updated itself in the 70s. And also, I'm going to – I went to a church recently. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers chose they, – they saw – they're like, we can't innovate a lot. But you know what? We can't innovate the pew design. 
Oh, that was dude, the comfort, that... most comfortable wooden <laughs> okay. thing. They, like, it was, but they're like, I, I was like, this is the only thing they can innovate to get people in, is making it so Made it's not like a fucking pain yeah, in the seriously. ass to sit on this <laughs> fucking wooden bench. But they made like a weird, Let's like, see, our primary it's demographic is really old people with achy joints. Let's make them the most uncomfortable possible wooden seats. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it is interesting that even they were able to, but like raisins, what do you do? Other, other, look, there's other products that are like cran, cranberry raisins, raisins and stuff, but like, what do you, that's a different product technically. So he says, at the end of the day, we've been making the same raisin for over 110 years. How do you keep a commodity oh relevant? Are we making the right products? Yogurt covered raisins have been extremely successful for us, especially during <laughs> the pandemic. Then you've got our fruity raisin snacks and also the sours. Back in 2020, our first spot came out. Sours. It was for the first time this brand had been on TV in decades. We call it Growing Young, or Grow Young, basically. It was all around nostalgia, remembering childhood. What? The team did a Ra phenomenal job of reintroducing <laughs> the brand. Childhood is all about imagination. It allows us to make, talk about different uses for Sunmade. We have a board of imagination. It's a group of kids from throughout the country, <laughs> and they are the ones literally responsible for picking some new flavors. They've helped oh. us pick a charity. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just such marketing <laughs> nonsense. It's Absolutely. fucking raisins. He's he's basically saying we've done nothing. We covered them in raisins, and that was our best idea. Uh, but we're just a raisin I company. I love the idea of of raisin Imagineers, like Disney's Imagineers. <laughs> if it, but like the the like not even the B team, like the F team, like just a bunch of old. Yeah, so the jobs I'm going out for, hey. I'm really looking out for the uh, Imagineer at Disney, and uh, maybe the Lego Super Builder Creator guy, and um. Last on my list is, uh, well, I've got some, this job thinking about ra raisins. Is that it? Do you, do you remember the Apple campaign of 1982? <laughs> that was me. That, that was, was me. me. I was able to market apples, fucking apples. I think I could handle raisins. <laughs> they go together, kind of. We're doing we're doing a new thing with celery and peanut butter. Uh, we're doing sort of a cross promotion with those guys. Um, they oh they already. It's called oh, yeah. the Ants on the Log Initiative, and it's really <laughs> synergy. Synergy is synergy, what it's about. Synergy, synergy, synergy. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's raisins. They're they're the real that's enemy. <laughs> they're the real enemy this season. So, kids, don't buy raisins, right? That is the real enemy. Yeah, it, and you know what? Sometimes you have enemies abroad, and sometimes oh, you got enemies in your home. Oh shit! In my, in my home. In your home. Well, I mean, not specifically my your home, home in this case. Oh, okay. <laughs> you did have a Dracula come into your house. No. That's why <laughs> I got concerned. I've, I've had some history here. I told. I keep telling you, don't have so much beans. <laughs> like it's it's like a it's gonna attract weirdos, and it did. Well, my dad insists that the beans are what keeps them away. So <laughs> I'm getting mixed messaging here. It's because it's the outcome of the beans keep them away. Yeah, I got to start eating them is what you're saying. I can't just yeah, have them. Yeah, you got to eat them. <laughs> You've just been hoarding them. You don't understand beans. Listen, Will, you don't know. Apocalypse is coming. We're going to need our beans. I this is, I'm going to uh You ever made a bean a hat? Keeps out the government. <laughs> bean hat. Cover yourself <laughs> in beans. A bean hat of loose ovular, like ovular you can, things. Well, How, you, can, you can heat them up if you want, Will. It's that doesn't fine. Get, it doesn't conjoin them. It doesn't weld them together into well, a hat. If you just make a shower made out of beans, you get continuous oh, you... flow. <laughs> okay, that works better because they're individual beans, but that's also where you're going to have a... a... Oh, How am I going to fill my 40-gallon jug without all these bean oh, cans, Will? Is... 
You know, you, the beans actually absorb the moisture and it, it, it helps. I'm becoming a <laughs> so raisin. Well, help the beans. I did, I'm, I'm going to say a stupid thought that I just had, which is my brain went, grapes are kind of like beans. Uh-huh. Could you make bean raisins? We're going to move on to our next segment. Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of like, as, as I tried to transition into enemies in your home, Theo, before the podcast, you and I kind of chatted be- about some of the con. We we don't tell each other what what segments we do, but we do mm-hmm. ca- kind of allude and like talk about some oh, stuff. We allude, we allude. And you said that uh, w- one of your segments, you were like, "I can't find enough information about this." Not, like there was the not sometimes. enough because the, a little to inside kind of baseball. Behind, yeah, yeah, a little inside baseball. We do try to find. I mean, there's a perfect amount of information that it's like enough detail that it's funny. And like keeps the story going, but not too much that so you get bogged down. Um, I was scratching my head about because I'm like Halloween spooktacular. Got to do something spooktacular. Mm-hmm. You got to do something big. So I went through. I looked at. Uh, I I started reading uh, Devil in the White City, which is a great book. It's great <laughs> everyone says it's a great book. That's about H. H. Holmes. I'm like, could I do a thing about H. H. Holmes? Eh, it's probably too morose. There's not, not enough like funny things. Right. So I started looking at poltergeists okay and ghost stories and i ran into the problem of not enough content there seems there's like a weird dead zone for ghost story stuff where it's either three paragraphs that has nothing like it's just the bare bones like nothing it is just absolutely uh just the (laughs) nothing or it's like all right go to my amazon page and buy my 600 page book about this like there's no in between so in order to tell this story, I'm going to be using a kind of a the bed frame of the the main <laughs> bedrock of a story, like a specific story, and I'm going to supplement it with stuff that I've gained Pad from outside sources. Yeah. And this is the story. This is a Wikipedia historian, by the way. The once again, not from Wikipedia. <laughs> we did that's just the, the That's name a running the, yeah, running theme. It's a rain, running him. But this is the story. Of the Bell Witch. Ooh, I haven't heard of the Bell Witch. Sounds this pretty is a very fun, creepy. Uh, it's a very fun story. This is a very old story. It is two hundred years old. Oh, Th- this takes place in the eighteen twenties. Hmm. So just to kind of start it out, it has been called uh, America's greatest ghost story, and it happened right here in Tennessee. As you can probably tell, the source is the Tennessee State Library and Archives. So you can't just, this is an audio format. Somebody could be listening to it anywhere. Well, no, right here, insert right your here location. To, that's what they say because they're the Tennessee State Library. So <laughs> I think this is probably one of the more official sources. Self-serving Tennessee, self-serving. Yeah. I, they kind of have something. They have other than that. It's just the the funniness of their name of their state. They've done nothing else. They have this and a, a witch. But in the decades since the, quote, witch or spirit first manifested around the Bell family on their farm in Robertson County in the early 19th century, the Bell witch has attracted the attention of ghost hunters, skeptics, supernaturalists, religious leaders, storytellers, authors, historians, and curious citizens from all over the world. Cooks, anthropologists, anthropotomists. (laughs) (laughs) And also uh, gynecologists. (laughs) Uh, prenatal care doctors. Everyone's uh, everything. covered disease. Sherlock Holmes, he came. There's actually going to be a very famous guest, <gasps> but I'm Gordon Ramsay. Myself, 
He's like Keanu Reeves. He's like an eternal soul who's just like, what is this? What is this bell witch? Awful. Awful. This ghost. In here. It's raw. But it doesn't even make sense. The singing of this ghost is awful. But anyway, earlier sources of the bell witch legend are dubious at best but provide a terrific uh, look at the pervasiveness of the legend and the progression of the Bell Witch story through the years. So this is one of those cases where um, the um, what is fact and what is fiction is very blurry because it's such an old because story. Because, it, hey, it's 1820s times. Anything, yeah. everything's fake, everything's real. Everything's fake, everything's real. The The basis of these things, like what people kind of go got, based off of We got Jack the River uh, Rapper Ripper running around. We don't know <laughs> what he's doing. We don't know what he's doing. Even like modern things like the Amityville Horror kind of have these question marks of like, did this actually happen? Mm-hmm. So like take this with a grain of salt, but there are facts. It's not like some other things where you're like, we don't even know if this actually happened. We know that these people existed and we know that weird things happened at their house. So, so at least we can have that based on. Mm-hmm. But the the ma- most famous sources are an authenticated history of the famous Bell Witch by M. V. Ingram, which was published in 1894. So that was a full 74 years after the fucking events. So, oh wow, eh. and a mysterious spirit, the Bell Witch of Tennessee by Charles Bailey Bell. Uh, but they are essentially the same narrative, differing only in detail and style. So there is a a story. Mm-hmm. That we're going to be following here. Um, both these stories uh, tell a fascinating story of the supernatural and provide the basis of uh, the Bellwitch folklore. So let's get into the Bell family. John Bell was born in Halifax County, North Carolina in 1715, uh, 1750, and the son of William Bell and Ann Jones. In 1782, John Bell married Lucy Williams, daughter of a prominent farmer, John Williams of Edgecombe County, North Carolina. Um the Bells bought a farm in Edgecombe County and began amassing wealth and influence in the area. So these these are wealthy farmers. They're well to and do. This is in in antebellum South. So this yep. is like pre for people outside the the U.S. This is before the Civil War, where these are slave owners. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to put that out immediately. Um, and also just a, a outside thing, they were well regarded in the community when they yep. when they came here. Um, usually, wealth although, comes with high regard. Like usually, they go hand in hand, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, but also I would posit this is a thing I heard from a, <laughs> one of my sources. If you're well regarded in a racist slave owning society, means you're maybe bad. that's not a great yeah, thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're really bad. Yeah, I think you might not be the best person. Doesn't hold up today's more to today's moral standards by, yeah. by, by any stretch. So they they have a full family. They have a bunch of children. Um, that I mean, it's for the time some of them die. Um, most like. They they do kind of age up. Um, I know some of them like go off to war, so these are older children. But they also have younger. That's just kind of the time how farms work. And also like you have a bunch of kids, and like a third of them die, and then you go, okay, that's what we kind of planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they move to the area, and immediately, uh, everyone likes them. They're doing very well. Um, despite the lasting impact, uh. They they eventually started to have some weird occurrences. So 
The first appearance of unusual disturbances surrounding the Bell family is usually reported as an incident on the farm in which John Bell fired a shot at what they say in this is a dog-like creature. But I will say, it's not just dog-like. It is a weird thing that there's like weird <laughs> parallels to poltergeist stories. It's and not this just is dog-like. It it's dog. <laughs> no, it is. It isn't dog. <laughs> no, it's not. It dog. is it's a dog. it. It is a dog body with a rabbit's head. Spooky. Yeah, spooky. Which happens in other stories. Like this. This is actually a, a kind of common occurrence with these kind of supernatural things. Is like mm. homunculi will show up and be like, "Hey, hey, what's up? Um, you ever see Bugs Bunny? <laughs> I used to be him, <laughs> and then they chop my head off. You ever hear of Goofy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But he he does what I think a lot of people in this time would do, and I think it is a very country thing to do, which he just immediately shoots at. <laughs> he immediately fucking what, gets his gun out and just like shoots at it. I mean, it's not. And this time it was getting his wet up, loading it up, being like, I'm going to fucking murder the shit out of this fucking Oh my God, I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. And it vanishes. Doesn't see it. Like, he shoots it, it's gone. Drury and Betsy, who are some of his children, began to see strange creatures near the property. Um, one of these accounts, once again, outside source, um, is the children were walking home one day and hanging from a tree. They see a woman in a green Ugh. dress. Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah. And she she still has tears streaming down her oh, face. Oh, no, that's like, not good. And they look away and look back. She's, and gone. she's gone. Yeah. Which this is actually another factoid. Um Apparently, it was a green dress because green used to be the color of the devil. Oh, really? Yeah. I, feel like I didn't know that. Green, huh? <laughs> How did we transition yeah, you, to red? I think it was, um, I think it might have been, oh, I actually don't know. It, it, it was like more popular color. I think it was like further down from this line that, that it turned mm. from green to red. But I mean, they're complementary colors. It's very interesting. But um but we don't have time for that because we got to hear about some noises that's happening now because it's not just outside. They start hearing noises. Uh, Betsy, Drury, and John begin to hear unaccounted for knocking on the doors and windows, the sound of flapping wings against the ceilings, and the sound of rats gnawing at bedposts. More disturbingly, the sounds of choking and strangling could be heard along with chains dragging and heavy objects hitting the floor. So imagine being in this fucking house and you're just like, time to go to bed. Hope it's going to be nice and quiet in here. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> will you turn, hey, will you turn it down? I'm trying to sleep. Will you, will you shut I'm trying up? to get some Z's. I'm getting, trying to get eight hours here. I'm Come a on, farmer man. for Christ's sake. You know what time I get up in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds emanating from the bedroom as if, quote, beds were suddenly and roughly pulled apart, to which was added the sound of fighting dogs chained together, making the noise deafening. So this is like full audio, like THX full surround sound. Fucking like dogs are, and you're just like, can I fuck? Can I help you? Like, what it's is like, happening? It's like you're like getting ready for bed. You you done your like you've drank your cup of tea. You're getting yeah, just snooze. You're Sleepy gonna, you're time. Gonna, you're yeah, gonna snooze, lovely. and then you just blow out the candle, and it's just like a jackhammer starts. Like, <laughs> 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 so it is that, but it's like <laughs> like rats dying, and you're just like fucking shit, dude. Come on, Christ, like, deafening. 
in all these cases that they couldn't find what made the noise. There's no rats in the house that they, they would immediately run outside if they heard knocking on the walls. Like they'd be like, who is that? Because um, they thought it was pranks. Um, so they they refuse to talk to people about this. Obviously, they were obviously, like, oh, yeah. this is fucked. So the spirit act increased in activity, sometimes physically abusing the members of the family. Joel, Richard and Williams, uh, and especially Betsy, were subjected to being struck Pinched and having their hair pulled relentlessly by the Bell Witch. Lucy Bell and John Jr., these are once again children. um, I think Lucy Bell might actually be the mother. uh, Were left relatively unharmed by the witch. Lucy was proclaimed by the spirit to be, quote, the most perfect woman living. Mm, that's hey, okay. Yeah, this has a crush on the the mom. Giving out some compliments. Um. So kind of they they this is a weird article because it like hops around in the timeline a little bit, um, but when they does, start. When does Drake Bell get involved here? Because uh, I'm waiting for him. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to get involved. If this was Drake and Josh, that would be amazing. <laughs> if it's just like I got the game sphere and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm trying like, to get to sleep. Get to sleep. <laughs> But but they so basically it's it's all these noises and then they eventually start hearing like a voice and it sounds like soft like him like there's some an old lady saying hymns mm-hmm. until finally um, this entity gains a voice and starts talking to them. So this is this is a very interesting case to me because this entity is not just talking. It's very talkative and will do a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the most active poltergeist I've ever heard of. And that kind of goes with, like, how much of this is actually true, but is very fun. So yeah, my unfinished business is um, I'm just sort of chatty. Um, <laughs> and I, I never really found someone who was just willing to put up with my bullshit. So that's my unfinished business. Are, are you down? I'm kind of a bitch. You're going to have to deal with that. I'm kind of like tell me really my, crazy. Worst, if you can't deal with me at my strangling and chains rattling, you can't deal with me when I'm singing great songs. <laughs> but um, so he, the witch showed great compassion towards the mother and even caring for her and singing to her while she was ill. So it was like it genuinely liked her. Huh. Um, John Jr. had a long, intense conversations with the witch, but he never showed uh, he never failed to show his animosity for it. Declaring it to be the quote spirit of the damned. So let's go <laughs> back. Of okay, what could be? What did people kind of think about this? And what did people think was causing this? Um, we can just ask the Bell Witch herself because oh. the Bell Witch <laughs> okay. said, "said quote I am a spirit. I once was very happy, but I have been disturbed." And made unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby, and the grave was disturbed. My bones disinterred and scattered, and one of my teeth was lost under the house. I am looking for that tooth. Of course, this cannot be verified. So, <laughs> But there were a lot of Indian uh, burial mounds in the, the region, and <laughs> based off of my uh, research of like time period especially, and everyone was kind of digging these up and grave digging especially the founder of mormonism joseph smith oh no <laughs> that is actually how oh, you got to start it's, it's a, a grave a robber grave of indian oh, burial mounds just a little fact a little factoid um and this was kind of like they told a story about how they they once dug up a skull and like threw it out a wall and maybe a tooth but they never found the tooth and also the witch also says 
Quote, that it was, quote, a spirit from everywhere. Heaven, hell, the earth. I am in the air. The houses, any place at any time, having been created millions of years ago. So it doesn't even, it's not, it's doing the Joker thing where it's like, what's my origin? Fuck if I know. <laughs> I danced on some stairs. I went on for talk show TV and I shot the host. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so crazy and evil. I'm fucking crazy, dude. But the, um, people think that this is actually caused by somebody in particular, that the, the Bell Witch was sicked on this family by a woman named Kate Batts, who basically, to, to put a little summary on her, a lot of people describe her as a modern woman living in those times, but that is always shorthand, and it's only used for women of a like self-actualized, independent someone, woman, right? Someone like, who has <laughs> goals in their life beyond just like child being a housewife. Yeah, because she was she was one of those people that was very like she had to take over the farm because her oh, husband was was crippled. So she was like she was a big fucking like stout, strong woman um, who didn't take any shit. Took no shit. Um, they also say that she might have been into the cult, but uh, this is not very well known. Um, in the early years of the century, uh, Benjamin Batts, the brother of Frederick Batts, had a dispute with John Bell over the sale of a slave. Facts of the dispute were later tangled and became source of rumor to the effect that John Bell and Kate Batts had a, a quarrel and that the Bell Witch was created by Kate Batts to get revenge on Bell. While there are plenty of stories connecting the Bell Witch to Kate Batts, uh, and some sort of disagreement that existed between her and John Bell, recent evidence suggests that she had nothing to do with it, <laughs> which is obvious to us. Right. Um, and Bell, uh, uh, Kate Pats is a great character because she also like will try to be fancy and use fancy words, but she doesn't know words well, so she just misquotes stuff all the time. I love <laughs> like, that. Just she's, use words for what you want them to mean. She's she's just basically somebody from the a little bit outside the the norm, and so people generally will like place blame on those people because she's mm-hmm. the person who would come in late she's to church pariah, and sing the right? loudest yeah. like she was right. she was she was a big character um so th- they aren't telling anyone about this shit um so eventually they they tell a family friend and he was able to he basically it gets spread really quickly that they uh that they have this witch in here uh so on one famous occasion the bell rich who is kind of building in power, which is an interesting, like she, she can apparently go to different places and kind oh. of taunts people outside the house. Hmm. Um, one of the most famous things is that she recited perfectly the sermon of Reverend James Gunn of Bethel Methodist church, followed by the sermon of Sug Fort, despite the fact that they had originally been given at the same time, more than 12 miles apart. So this shows. So she's doing like magic shit, where she's cool. like, "I'm, I'm here. I'm also here, and I'm." She's like, the Holy Spirit. She's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, at one point, the the main kind of there's ma- two main people who are abused by the witch, which is the father John Bell, um, and Betsy Bell, who is the daughter. Um, and Betsy Bell. This is actually a weird thing with poltergeists. That's like a weird through line that people think might be a, a connection point. The Poltergeist activity usually forms around uh, young women going through puberty, Hmm. and especially around their first period, Hmm. which is a very strange, like, we're both guys. We don't know (laughs) what it's like to get your first period, but I'm going to say it's a stressful time. Holy stress, yeah. Do I think that the theory that it's so stressful that it creates an entity of pure malice (laughs) is true? I don't know, but it is interesting that this seems to be a through line. Who's to say, really? Who's to fucking say? (laughs) 
Um, so the Bell Witch, um, and now this kind of gets into a collection of stories, so I'm going to <laughs> to, to do my best. Um, they tell a family friend, and I forget uh, his names. I, it might be James Johnson or possibly Frank Mills. This is from an outside source. Once again, which is probably, this is my favorite story, I think. He comes and he is a very logical dude and he the daughter starts like getting picked up by the ghost like in the nightly ritual it's like slapping her and stuff and he mm-hmm. goes if it can slap her i can beat the shit out of it <laughs> if it bleeds so we can kill it like <laughs> he starts trying to fucking wrestle the ghost i love that if i <laughs> so if, he he could, just, if it's physical i can get at it and the ghost is a ghost so it just is like what are you doing bud like <laughs> and it just like immediately bodies him like it just does not he's like i'm a ghost like i can i'm not no, like and he's like, okay, well, it's an invisible being, obviously. And so he starts fucking throwing flour everywhere. <laughs> and, and the mother's like, I love this. Can, can I help you? Can you get out <laughs> can of here? I you, were making, <laughs> you were making a mess and you're getting your ass beat. All the time. <laughs> Not only are so you, you getting need your to ass stop. beat, you're also fucking up the rest of my day. You are. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it, in in this kind of it keeps escalating to because now they're having like full conversations with the witch. The witch is like talking to them to the point that one of the uh, brothers comes home from war or whatever, and he just is having none of it. And he stri- tries to confront the witch. She doesn't say anything. Uh, the daughter goes up to her room and kind of as a weird act of revenge, the spookiest thing I can imagine happening happens, which is the daughter's laying in bed in a figure that is on fire actively like walks through her door sits on the end of her bed emitting no heat or Mm, like mm. not catching the things and then disappears and she's just like hey maybe we should not (laughs) tell the ghost to go fuck itself like this kind of fucks this is bad um so they they start getting visitors because this is getting news this is we're getting news reports about this this is is the Um, this is the show to come see so they, they people are coming in and out. They start like charging admission, basically, um, and to the, like even to the point that like a <laughs> a guy named Doctor Mize, who is in this thing called a noted conjurer from Simpson, Kentucky, came to exercise the witch. And this in with his old timey Ghostbusters, a noted shit. conjurer. I love that. They and in the picture they have, they call Doctor Mize. The wizard. The wizard. <laughs> like, they call him a wizard. They explicitly call him a fucking wizard. He comes in and he's like, I'll figure this out. And then he he's like, hmm, I think it might be that that gun over there. Fix that. And then, or it might be a pastor. I forget. I might be mixing up stories. But he, the bell witch is like, hey, bitch, get out of my house. And then he like scares her, <laughs> scares him away. And then as he's riding away, is like whispering in his ear as he's riding, like, you ain't nothing, bitch. Like, nothing. <laughs> so like, you can't exercise me. But kind of to to um get more to the <laughs> to the meat of this story, um, they get visitors and they get a very famous visitor. At this point, General Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson visits. is coming in? Stonewall Andrew Jackson. himself? Yeah. The legend has it that the Bell Witch even had an encounter with then-future president Andrew Jackson. Jackson owned property on the Red River and decided to visit the Bell Farm after hearing the stories. And if I remember my my history correctly, this is around the War, T- War of 1812, and I think he was responsible for, like, 
liberating New Orleans or like defending it or something. All right. So he was in the South. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's kind of the the point of this is actually a part of the story that people like think might have happened actually. Is that he might have come because he has he had reason to. Um one of his wagons became stuck by an unseen force and could not be moved, despite whipping the horses, examining the wheels, and having it be pushed by the men of his party. He exclaimed, By the eternal boars, this is the witch. To which the witch replied, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. The wagon started on its own accord, and they continued on their journey. That evening at camp, a self-proclaimed witch layer or witch hunter said he had a silver bullet and regaled the man with tales of hunting witches. Jackson whispered to a colleague, I bet this fellow is an errant coward. I, that's, I hate Andrew Jackson as a person, but sometimes he is. But he's, he's, he's a street singer. shooter. Uh, by the Eternals, I do wish the thing would come. I want to see him run. So he's, Andrew Jackson's a, a bastard <laughs> to even him. his friends. That's great. After which, silence followed. Suddenly, there was the sound of light footsteps prancing on the floor, and the voice stated, All right, General, I am on hand and ready for business. The witch bade the witch hunter to shoot, but the gun did not fire. The hunter was struck by an unseen force, claiming to feel the pain of being stuck by needles, explaining that he had been grabbed by the nose. So this witch is just like doing Three Stooges bits for him. He's like, whoop, 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 and fled from the tent. The witch exclaimed, how the devil did run and beg. I'll bet he won't come through here again in his old horse pistol to shoot me. I guess it's fun enough for tonight, General. And you go to bed now. You go to bed, General. Let me tuck you in and give you a (laughs) I will come tomorrow night, and I shall show you another rascal in this crowd. Jackson was eager to stay, but his party had had enough, and Jackson returned to Nashville shortly after. So does Jackson attest to this all happening, like, down the line? Is this a first-hand account this is from a very, him? This is a very, like, this was a community event to the point where, like, people were almost, like, because some people were, like, got to the point, because this was over years. Mm-hmm. It got to the point that some people even got, like, over it. We're just like, oh, whatever. Oh, what like, <laughs> yeah, right. And then, and the people, because the the family was getting, like, tortured by this witch. Like, they were not, <laughs> it was not great for them. But sometimes... It was a little bit fun because it wasn't just one voice that the, this is not from the article. This is outside research, but um, it would sometimes do four characters other than the main voice, which people called Kate because that was Kate um, Bats. So everyone just called it Kate. Um, These voices were broken down to personalities. There was Black Dog, who was the leader. Of the bunch. Right. He was like, he was the Leonardo. <laughs> he was the leader of the bunch. Some black beard. Um, and he was, a, he had a gruff voice and harsh language. There was uh, Sopography, a jokester hey. with a feminine voice who would gossip. Mathematics, who would discuss <laughs> logic and re- religion, and he was a fucking nerd. <laughs> that called dog him. Hated. Oh, it was fucking nerd? Like, what do you love, mathematics? We're going to call you that. Mathematics. We go, and then there was Jerusalem, who was had a little boy's voice and was quote always truthful by his own account, which made the other uh, voices hate him. <laughs> the <laughs> other voices were like, "Shut up!" Shut up, yeah. So every night they would introduce themselves like they're on a fucking '80s like variety <laughs> show where they're just back. like, "I'm Kate, I'm yeah. 
Black Wolf. <laughs> it's like that that flip where it was the people dancing and they're like, "I'm Black Dog. I'm Psychography. I'm Mathematics. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jerusalem." Yeah. And they would, if there was alcohol in the house, apparently they sounded like they were drunk and would immediately start arguing among each other. And would huh. even if there wasn't alcohol in the house, sometimes they would steal some from the neighbor. <laughs> so they're like they're having a great fucking they're ball. A good time. But apparently they had great singing voices, which and they would sing in harmony. And so it was like sometimes mm. you would get like bickering, but sometimes you get like the most beautiful voices in Tennessee, is what oh. they would say. So this is so in that's all kind of Nashville. The, um, and just one last like little story before we get to the end, which uh, quite the it, I'm going not to spoil is quite the ending. But um, they had visitors, and one of the visitors was from Great Britain, and he was it was just kind of part of his tour, which is very fun to me. He was like, so I'm going to go see Washington, D.C. It's going to be great. And then I'm going to pop down. I'm going to see the Bell Witch. in the national know. parks, and then we're going to go see the witch. But he was like, boy, I'm missing my family. He's like staying the night, and then he hears his parents' voices. Hmm. Pitch perfect, knowing stuff that they, like, only his parents would be like, hey, how are you? Imagine going to a fucking haunted house and being like, I'm kind of homesick. And then hearing your mother be like, Theo, darling. Oh, no. I've been planning. Um, I actually was going to ask you, I, you know, you, you've been busy recently about um, whether you wanted to go on that Mediterranean trip, trip with me. <laughs> no, I'd be like, um, Theo. Call yeah, your mother. Can you call, call, <laughs> call They didn't have phones, but imagine. Your mother. And you're just like, Mom? Dad? <laughs> Perfect voices. Um and and then the man, like they the Bell family was like, Oh yeah, stay for a few days. He immediately books out. out. Like he's nope. out you're, of there. You're out of there. No, no, no. But this is this is a rare uh poltergeist because one, other than the fact that a, a president saw it. <laughs> Two, that is so fucking talkative and everybody knows about it, like in, in this community. And three, this is one of the few poltergeists that has killed a person. Hmm. So now we get to the section of the death of John Bell, the patriarch of the oh, family. yeah. The big honcho. One of the central goals of the Bell Witch, they say seemed, but the, from quotes, the Bell Witch explicitly says, I'm going to fucking murder your dad. Like... <laughs> The Bell Witch is very explicit. I'm going to murder you, There's John no Bell. subplot here. There's just... There's yeah. no sub... And, like, is he's getting, like, weird throat things. That, he has, like, a throat fungus that forms. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? Um, so, it really want to kill John Bell Sr. Or as he it's called him, Old Jack Bell. Uh, as the spirit called him, was blasted with curses, heinous threats, and serious physical torments. As the abuse continued to impact his psyche, Bell took to his bed and was cared for by John Jr. On December 19th, 1820, John Bell failed to leave his bed, and John Jr. went to the cupboard to retrieve the medicine for his care. Instead of uh, three medicine vials, he found only one vial. It was one-third full of a dark, smoky liquid of unknown origin. The voice of the witch gloated, It's useless for you to try to rely... Relieve old Jack. I've got him this time. He will never get up from that bed again. She claimed of the vial that she gave, she, quote, gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was fast asleep, which fixed him. The contents of the vial were thrown into the fire and erupted into a blue blaze. Another version of this says that the they called a doctor, which in that time was basically the doctor was like, he's dying. 
Yeah. Gave me some money. <laughs> like, he's nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Um, it, he tried it on their family cat. He was like, I don't know what's in this vial, so I'm going to do some old-style medicine. <laughs> the old-scientific method says that I got to kill your cat to see what it does to your daddy. Dies immediately. Um, <laughs> and, and it's thought that it was probably full of nightshade or something. John Bell died December 20th, 1820. The Bell Witch crashed the funeral, disrupting the service and singing body drinking songs. So the Bell Love Witch it. at least Love had it. a great time. It was partying. Uh, and that's not the end of the tale, but it is the end of this particular version of the tale. So there is like the Bell Witch persists. It came mm. back over the years and it came back in like the 1900s and it came back. And some people say that it now resides in what people call the uh, Bell Witch uh, Cave or something. What is it called? It, yeah, it was like the the Bell Witch Cave. Um, and so sometimes like paranormal shows will go there and try to talk to the Bell Witch. <laughs> Why couldn't it uh, let rest in the, the Bell Witch Panera Bread? Come on, man. Like, <laughs> come make on. It, make it a little destination. I got to get some lunch up in here. Anyway, sorry, that was a big segment, but I would like to, it's for the spooky Halloween season, and you know what, if I, there's you a poacher guy that fucking murdered a person, that is <laughs> notable. But Sheesh. Anyway. Well, I'm glad that that cave is nowhere near our next segment, you know what I'm saying? Ooh. Just get, get just scoot right down out of there. I've got for you a trio of old... <laughs> I was just poking around old monster movies, and I thought these three were particularly <laughs> yeah. hilarious. So I have like a Wikipedia historian, kind of, but it's it's like more of a Wikipedia okay. roundup. Okay. So the first one we're going to read the synopsis of is called The Eye Creatures, starring... The uh, Eye Creatures? The Eye Creatures, starring eye creatures. John Ashley in the year Octo- uh, in the year 1967 with a budget of... Forty thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, it was gonna... a major blockbuster. Forty thousand dollars. Well, that was in nineteen. Okay, for forty thousand dollars. It can't be more than like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars today. It was in nineteen sixty-eight. You said sixty-seven, but yeah. Uh, so that would be that's still not a lot. That's uh, it's still not a lot. Three hundred fifty-four thousand. All right, so not not a crazy amount for the budget of a whole ass movie. Here's the plot. Mm-hmm. A military briefing shows a hovering flying saucer resembling a domed yo-yo as the narrator describes how the military's Project Visitor has been tracking and it anticipates it will land in central United States. After a briefing, Lieutenant Robertson reports to the, to the base near the expected target where he berates his subordinates for their habit of using the monitoring equipment to spy on teenagers making out in the woods. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, Quick left. Is, it's getting oh, hot and heavy. You're supposed to be looking at the alien. We're outfitted with the best military equipment there is. You're supposed to be looking for alien life forms. Oh, my God. I, I do but, love But, the... sir, we're stationed right next to Make Out Ridge. <laughs> We've been tracking this object, and it's going to land right in Kansas, right in between fuck and all. So, <laughs> I think it's going to have a great landing spot in all those fields. One of the teens sees an object land nearby and tells his friends at a local bar, including Stan Kenyon. What a great name. Stan, Stan and his Kenyon? girlfriend. Stan and his girlfriend, Susan Rogers, later accidentally hit one of the multi-eyed, lumpy, grayish-white aliens from the <laughs> ship with his car. So they drive <laughs> off to tell the police. Hey, this have you heard the man, our Lord and Savior, Glorbalo? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> out, Did I hit a deer? Out in the woods, they are forced to use the phone of a grumpy local codger who is who resents the smoochers who uh, use his property as a level as a lover's lane, frequently I, threatening them with a shotgun. 
<laughs> you know what? You can't I would, make out here. This is this is farmland. I I grow alfalfa here. I would be more chill about it if they didn't park right next to my fucking farmhouse to do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, one of the two drunken off drifters new in town comes across the dead creature and decides to put it on exhibition as part of his latest get which get rich quick scheme. When he returns to the site mm-hmm. after excitedly rushing home to tell his buddy Mike, other aliens arrive, scaring him and causing a deadly heart attack. When the police finally investigate, they assume that Stan was has run over the drifter and arrest the young man, refusing to believe his crazy story. So they think that he just like ran over he, the guy who okay, had a heart so attack. Okay, so that is interesting though that the the <laughs> the connective tissue of those two people it like fit perfectly that aliens were <laughs> just like <laughs> just like happened right. to be there. <laughs> oh, there's a dead guy and we have a dead alien. He ran it over. That's having perfect. O- having overheard the bar conversation about the UFO, Lieutenant Robertson reports to his commander, who reluctantly reluctantly authorizes a cordon around the saucer. <laughs> I guess we'll cordon no. off the saucer Fine, if we have to. They eventually accidentally blow up the spaceship and congratulate themselves for their effective defense, not realizing <laughs> that the creatures were not in the air, not in the craft, and are still roaming the woods. Easily escaping from the police, Stan, so, <laughs> easily escaping from the police, salt. as you do. Stan and yep. Susan meet up with the drifter, the dead drifter's friend Mike, and the three of them attempt to prove the alien danger to the community. Oh Mike is God. cornered and attacked by anger creatures, but Stan and Susan manage to flee and accidentally discover the monsters explode when exposed to bright light. Unfortunately, after the autopsy shows that the victim earlier died from alcohol-induced heart attack and. Uh, that Stan had not killed him. The police want nothing more to do with him and refuse to help, obviously. The teenagers <laughs> have gathered their friends together and drive out to the clearing where they left Mike. Surrounding the alien with their cars, the teens use their headlights to evaporate the maining creatures. Mike survives the attack, and Stan and Susan resume their in, un, their interrupted plans to elope. Can I just add a quick question? Yeah. Is this the um, thing from the movie Signs? where they, spoilers for the end of the movie Signs, uh, yeah. they pour water on the alien and the alien uh, gets hurt by it. And it's like, you came to a planet that is 60% water, <laughs> the, you stupid also, fuck. hydrogen and oxygen, two of, the most, two of the most populous compounds in the solar system. These aliens can be dissolved by light? Yeah, light. Have they heard of the sun? <laughs> Have like, they heard of the well, sun? Come on, dude. Yeah, and it's around kind of most of the time. In the plot synopsis, it never once mentions that the aliens were out for blood <laughs> in any sense. Like, they were just wandering around the woods. That's all they were doing. Grabulon, do you have surface? No, Zorgon. I don't have any balls. <laughs> all right. I guess we'll get to the top of that hill. Come on now. Maybe I could. Can you try Waze? Is Waze going to work better from <laughs> if you don't have any bars? Neither is going to work. Well, maybe sometimes the surfaces act differently. Don't what, mouth don't, off to me. I'm just as frustrated as you are. Don't get me to get snippy <laughs> with. Oh no, is that right? Snip- oh! <laughs> you know what? He got run over a car, by a car, and I'm happy about I'm it. I'm happy about it. The next movie I have for you is the Club, uh, uh, the Monster Club, a British mon- horror film. <laughs> Uh, released in 1981, and it has uh, the, the the fictional. So the plot is broken up into the three like little subsections. Like they tell three different like stories. Oh, like an anthology it's like an anthology. Kind of yeah, yeah. Um, so a fictionalized version of the author is approached on the street by a strange man who turns out to be a starving vampire named Ere- <laughs> Aramis, 
Aramis bites the writer and the, in gratitude for the small donation takes his basically unharmed but bewildered victim to a titular club, which is a covet, which is a covert gathering place for a multitude of supernatural creatures. Hey, man, you got a, some a little bit of blood, dude? Can I can, I, I can, I can take little, you to go see can, a monster boob. Can uh, I get a little sippy and I bring <laughs> you to a club? And he's like... I got nothing else to do. I'm unemployed, a.k.a. a writer. Oh, zing. In between the club's unique music and dance performances, Aramis introduces three stories about his fellow creatures of the night. The number one, the Shadmok. A young this financially... <laughs> the young financially... He's, he's yeah. in a club while dance music is happening, and he's like... So this is the tale of the shit. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you about my friend Shadmok. What? What? I can't hear you. It's they did Monster Mash for the twentieth time in a row. (laughs) It's like they only have one song. I also love. By the way, to go back to the the name of the thing, we here at Quiznos are having a great brand synergy with by having the Monster Club. The Monster Club. So the Shadmark, a young financially struggling struggling woman, takes a job at a secluded manor house owned by Raven, a hybrid creature called a Shadmark, who re- <laughs> who leads a troubled and tragic existence and is notorious for its de- demonic whistle. As time goes by, the girl Angela develops a friendship with the mysterious Shadmark, and he eventually proposes to her. Alarmed, <laughs> Angela refuses. <laughs> Alarmed, to say the least. A little awkward. Angela refuses, but her controlling boyfriend forces her to go through with it to gain the Shadmok's vast I'm wealth. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, boyfriend. I'm sorry. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things because <laughs> they don't say that they. It has. I. I'm, there's probably like an intermediary, but I do love the thought of like. So what are you looking for from a employee? And do you have like benefits? And he's like, What do you see here? I'm a flat rock and I don't really understand the concept of benefits. Okay, so you no work benefits. for me and I have vast wealth. And that's all you have, need to know. Have you ever heard of the red pill? If you <laughs> <laughs> I've been on Forbes re- recently and I think I may be what they call the involuntarily boy. celibate. Would you like to fix it? <laughs> oh no. I also love the boyfriend that's like, yeah, Go dude, in, you, you gotta it. get married. You gotta <laughs> do it. Fuck <laughs> it. What's, it would be so fucking funny if you fuck this crow creature. Like, <laughs> you're not gonna have I'm not gonna make no, you. No, I will also, make you, but also you, you do get, it pretty good. Do it to get the money, dude, imagine how many PS5s I could get. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. On the night of the engagement party, Angela is caught robbing the Shadmog safe and screams that she could never love him. Heartbroken, the Shadmog whistles and oh. destroys Angela's face. Her boyfriend is <laughs> driven insane and locked oh. away in an asylum upon seeing her. Oh, fuck, dude. You got you don't got a face and you used to have a face. <laughs> oh, That's man, dude. Oh. What happened to your face, man? What happened to the money? I mean, I'd be happy if you had money, but you don't have the money. You just so don't have the face. I can get over your face as long as you have that money gold. Money. Come on, money, please. please. That is the end of the story of the Shadmok. Next, the <laughs> vampires. <laughs> Moving right along. again? Okay. The vampires. The timid son of a peaceable family of vampires lives a miserable lonely life where he is bullied at school and his father spends little time with him oh, hey my guy you're a vampire you don't have to go to school you can you're yeah, you live you're forever kind of eternal. you're, kind you're of eternal. eternal i love that they're bullying him and he would you sleep with your, your <laughs> with your teddy he's like, i actually sleep in a coffin 
This is why we bully you. We actually <laughs> you know tried what? being friends with you, and you're, you're really making it hard for us. I, I do love the concept of a vampire having to sit down and be like, so I heard you had a tough time at school, pal. Do you want to talk about it? And he's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to. No, Dad. I don't know. Have you thought about murdering them? <laughs> Dad, uh, you know I haven't murdered anyone before. I can't just do that. It's the family business. You're going to have to take it over eventually. The son discovers his father is a vampire being relentlessly, uh, if ineptly, hunted by a team of bureaucratic undead killers, the Bleeny or B Squad, <laughs> led by Pickering. The hunters break into the house and stake the vampire father, but the tables are turned when the father bites Pickering, meaning that he will now have to be staked by his own assistants. A chase ensues and Pickering is staked. After the men take his body away, the timid son and his mother return to the basement to find that the the father faked his death using a (laughs) stake-proof vest filled with tomato ketchup. Hey, do you, do you, does it smell like a pizzeria in here, or is that just me? What is what is this? A steak-proof vest? Are you, is I, it made of hey, gelatin? I How don't do you know. not know? You, like, <laughs> it's not a bulletproof vest. Like, that would stop it. Like, it's a steak. Yeah, it's a steak-proof vest. It, I guess maybe, like, maybe it's chain mail? I mean, that would stop a steak, right? I got this in the Civil War, and he shows a big hole in it. <laughs> it's okay. I love that they're just like... He was a terrible father. He was a terrible provider. And he was and he goes, What were you saying about me? Oh my oh, god! He's, no. back. Oh, he's back. That's the end of the vampires. Next, the ghouls. What how many <laughs> This is it. This is the third. This is the third of the anthology, the last one. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot that it was a it had a whole uh surrounding yeah, story. Right. A movie director scouting locations for his next film pays a horrifying visit to an isolated, decrepit village, Lowville, where the sinister residents refuse to let him leave. He discovers to his horror that the village is inhabited by a species of corpse-eating demons called ghouls who unearth graves for food and clothes. And now there are no more graves to plunder, and the ghouls are hungry for flesh. While imprisoned by the ghouls, he meets Luna, the daughter of a ghoul father and a deceased human mother, <laughs> making her a, making her a hume ghoul, half human, half ghoul. Anyway, it kind of do we gets have any problems when... with this plot so far? No. All right, we're getting right along. It with just it. it just gets weird on official documents because people ask like, "Oh, are you <laughs> are, are you, you alive or not alive?" Like, yeah, that's really there's awkward. a lot of they say, "Are you Caucasian?" And I go, well, "I'm the palest you can possibly be." <laughs> so, yes. but I'm not weird about it. Like, it's not- fine. <laughs> Luna advises him to hide in the church as ghouls cannot cross holy ground. Whilst in the church, the director discovers the terrifying truth of Lowville. Centuries before, a swarm of ghouls invaded the village, (laughs) mated with the humans, and made their nest there. Time out. What? The humans, that sounds like the humans were like cool with it. Ooh. Like, this is, you know what? what This is my thing. Oh my God, these invaded, like all of us are collectively really into these ghouls. I thought you were going to say he finds the biggest secret of the town <laughs> that they're Catholics. Oh, like, <laughs> that they're the worst thing of all, the Catholic Church. With the aid of Luna, the director attempts to escape and almost succeeds, only for Luna to be killed by the ghouls and the director captured again and returned to the village by ghoul <laughs> policemen. Psych! By ghoul policemen. Oh, I right. love a ghoul policeman. <laughs> Anything you say or do will, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to eat you. Sir, do you have any idea how many years you have left on your life? Zero. They, We're going to eat you. 
Now, here's a question for the ghouls. Maybe this is too deep into the lore. Do corpses, do they like them? Like, is it like wine where they want them to ferment? Or are they just going like, to be like, like you know what? It's like a fresh wine. It's, it's <laughs> going to be a little tart. <laughs> but it's going to be, you know, it's not, it's not going to taste the same, but it's going, we got to get the food. Fresh. At the end of the film, Aramis cheerfully lists to the other uh, club members all the imaginative ways that humans have been have of have of being horrible to each other and declares that humans are the most inescapable monsters of all oh, oh. thank you thank you <laughs> you're a vampire shut your mouth shut your dirty mouth that's you know what maybe man is the uh, worst thing oh <laughs> if you, ever, that's so that's, you ever think about these they made a joke about that in futurama which is the best joke where they yeah. it's the twilight zone parody or whatever <laughs> it's just mm, I made a thing to make the most evil thing possible. Turns out it was man. <laughs> Turns no. out it was man. Oh, <laughs> it's that. It's the entire it's that. collection. Last, last one. Last. Plot what do you mean, last you one? You said this no, was no. The last that was one. the last of. Okay, so that was movie number two. Oh, last this movie. is so confusing. <laughs> last movie. Okay. This last one's movie. called Blood Freak, released in 1972. Blood Freak. Budget Whoa, of $25,000. And the tagline is A Dracula on Drugs. Whoa, dude. <laughs> what, what was in that hippie? Oh, oh, you, oh, you joke. Oh, you joke. Oh, While riding down the highway on his motorbike, Vietnam veteran Herschel helps a young no. religious girl called Angel, whose car has broken down. She takes Herschel back no. to. <laughs> she takes. You can't Herschel. have the same premise as Rambo. You can't have the same <laughs> premise as Rambo: First Blood and go. What if vampires? <laughs> you can't do that. I think you absolutely can. She takes Herschel back to her home, where her sister Anne and many local friends of hers are smoking pot. Herschel Whoa. refuses to smoke any, as Angel had warned her about them. However, Anne continues attempting to seduce him. Angel decides that Herschel should stay with them until he gets back on his feet in life. Whilst cleaning the girl's pool, Anne encourages Herschel to smoke a joint. He does, and finds himself <laughs> addicted. Oh, <laughs> oh no, this dude! Is... One joint, I'm in the drink, dude. Oh no! This is fucking good, Kush, dude. If you, who's your dealer, man? Herschel What's gets this called. This is Herschel... called banana chocolate <laughs> banana. It just tastes like I'm into it, it's... man. I think I won't get back on my feet. Actually, Fuck, dude, I'm addicted to making movies more enjoyable, <laughs> dude. Oh, it's so good. Herschel gets his gets a job at a local turkey farm where he meets two scientists who are expecting who are experimenting by testing certain chemicals on turkey meat. Herschel agrees to participate in a test by eating some of the turkey meat. To convince him to agree, the scientists bribe him with more marijuana. After eating a whole <laughs> after eating a whole turkey after eating a whole turkey, he passes out on the farm. He suffers a seizure, and the two scientists later find him. And worried about being investigated about the possible death of Herschel, they dump the body in the woodlands. But Herschel is not dead. He wakes up to find he has a giant turkey's head in place of his own head. Oh my god! He, he is also still addicted to drugs, Wait. but instead of smoking marijuana, he now craves the blood of other addicts. <laughs> I'm going to finish it off. He comes to Anne for help, and if, and at first she agrees. However, after Herschel kills three people to appease his habit, Anne finally oh, whoopsie, appeals dude. to two friends to stop Herschel by beheading him with a machete. Just as turkey-headed <laughs> Herschel is killed, the action jumps back to Herschel again waking up in the woods. The entire sequence in which Herschel was a turkey-headed... 
uh, has a turkey head was only a hallucination. He is discovered by the owner of the <laughs> turkey the farm who weed, contacts dude? Angel at the rehab center where she volunteers. Angel comes to collect Herschel and, after urging him to pray to God for assistance, takes him to the center to recover from his addiction. At the film's oh end, Herschel is reunited with a joyous Anne. I would... Did you hear about Biden doing the um, uh, expunging the records of people who have minor marijuana mm-hmm. offenses? Mm-hmm. Imagine he's like, marijuana does a lot of bad things. <laughs> it shouldn't be category one, but I have heard that it can give you a turkey head. It'll do that. <laughs> It'll do that every once in a while. I saw a movie and it was great. It was crazy. So, President, hey President Biden. Um, Oh, he's, this is a bad look for him. He does look old and um, <laughs> Stay on that script. That was a movie. Stay on script. So you're on script. He's like, you, you started drinking the blood of other addicts. I think you might have been a true tale. It's like, sir, sir, <laughs> cut him off. Cut him off. <laughs> Absolutely. I. That is such a great, stupid plot of uh, reefer so madness. But what if we make it thanksgiving theme like <laughs> what the way is he, and then he eats a big turkey and he's just like man tryptophan is a bitch <laughs> you thought i was fucking did it the did tryptophan and the pot combined to stop my fucking pulse dude fuck dude you know when you just smoke so much i've you know when he smoke so much weed that you just get a fucking turkey head, dude. <laughs> this, oh, is, this is yeah, relatable, dude. am I right, dude? This is fucking relatable. Actually, when I got it, it was a fucking stork head, man. And I had a fucking baby. I had to deliver the fucking baby, dude. And it had to be on time. Anyway, I was a, dude, I was addicted to delivering what? babies. It was crazy. It was a whole dream. And then I woke up and I was in a fucking dumpster. But yeah. That's how, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna. The the I'm. We are now getting to the end of the podcast. I just wanted to end because I did find a lot of Halloween Amazon eroticas, but I'm I'm just going to read a very quick one, just okay. to kind of cap us as off. An end. Yeah, just cap us off, and I'm, we're gonna do our normal cap off. But I just wanted to read this. This is the book, riding the headless horseman. Oh no! Oh no! By why Molly, do we, why do we do this? <laughs> why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> I had a lot worse ones that I think I might have to. There might be Halloween, not part two, but kind of the the hangover from Halloween addendum is going to because yes. I had a lot of these. But this is, I'm going to say, Annie and I went to uh, Barnes and Noble to get because there was a Barnes and Noble and she wanted to go look at books. I cannot tell you how many books I like looked at the back of. That had quotes that said, quote, uh, witchy. Like, they use the adjective witchy. witchy. And this act, witchy, wickedly witchy. Like, they <laughs> a midnight delight that it. weaves myths with delicious sex. This is from, like, quotes from other authors that also have fake names. <laughs> so it is so very funny okay. to see. It starts with that, but I'm not going to read those because they're they're silly. Um Arletta Harlington. Har- <laughs> this is the best beginning. Th- there's only like there was one that I had prepared that is a better starting, but this is second best starting to any Wikipedia historian. Arletta Harling Harrington. Sorry, doesn't believe in death. She doesn't. 
She just doesn't believe in the concept oh. of death, I guess. <laughs> oh, like, that's weird. Huh? Live Unusual stance. Huh. Here's the thing. If you don't believe in death, death doesn't believe in you, <laughs> and he won't get you. Wow, that's a hack. It's Halloween in Sleepy Hollow, and Arletta is spending the night selling tarot readings to her fellow townsfolk, and then in parentheses, <laughs> the ones who don't see witchcraft as the work of the devil, that is. So she's in fucking Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> okay. They're just All like right. All right. everyone. She's like, this is the work of the devil, and she's like, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. Listen. At least there's enough. There's, there's a lot of townsfolk in the sea. Yeah, the people of Sleepy Hollow believe in many magical things, but the one Arletta firmly doesn't believe in is death, the deadly rider of the Hollow, the headless horseman. All of that changes when she encounters him on her late night walk. He senses how powerful her magic is and knows he has to have her. He, I know he's just like, her power's over 9,000! <laughs> 1, 9,000! He whisks her away to his realm. What is it? What is the Headless Horseman's hell, realm? Is it Halloween Town? It's just all people <laughs> that are missing their heads for various reasons. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to fit in here. I kind of have, a, I don't I have a normal around of head here, so... And he tells her of his plans to make her his forever. All right. So you know what? It's for tax reasons, really. It makes a lot of sense. I'm actually, <laughs> I created an entire PowerPoint presentation. I hope you'll enjoy it. I created a B Corp under which you'll be married to me so yeah. that uh, you <laughs> can see funny. that the revenue, it just skyrockets. You know, I already I, set the, up the implications the are crazy. So kind of, we have to do this. Those she may be resistant at first and, after a passionate night spent with the messenger of death, she isn't so sure about his sound. He, She isn't so sure being his sounds like such a bad idea after all. That is not a sentence. That is the opposite of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Gibberish. A, yeah. But Halloween can't last forever. Can it? Anyway, that's the end of it. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> Answer your it's a question. It's a 53-page book. What do you expect? <laughs> but anyway, that I just wanted to sneak that in at the end and expect more ooh, horny Amazon erotica oh, next geez. week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but thank you for, for being here at the opposite of horny time, spooky times, uh, for our Halloween spooktacular. Thank you, everybody. And if you have any... I don't know. Other, we're getting to Christmas. If you have any Christmas things, send them our way to segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. We listen. If stores can start putting out Christmas decorations immediately after Halloween, we can start asking for Christmas things immediately. Immediately. Hit up our Twitter, Segment City. Our YouTube is Segment City, and we'd like you to rate us and also review us if you thought this was a fun, spooky episode. Then we'd love to hear about it. And we'd like to give a big thank you to someone in particular. Thank you to Rachel Robinson. She does our intro music. And some say she's the headless horseman. Some <laughs> say she rides stalking and, you know, doing headless apparently horseman things. The Beatles think that she's the headless uh, horseman. Some say Ringo Starr is the headless horseman. Very oh. Yeah, Ringo. Oh. Have you ever seen Ringo Starr's MS Paint? Uh, artwork. I have. I, I can't. We, we must have talked about this. We have to have had. But I told my manager about it, and he's like, I've never heard of that. And I was like, you got to wrap it, it out. So if, if you haven't seen it, look at it. It's so funny. 
But we're going to end with our usual ending, which is actually very appropriate. It's not appropriate probably for the rest of the year, but it's very appropriate now. List of unusual deaths. This is Bela I of Hungary, who died on the 11th of September, 1063. Bela I of Hungary, when the Holy Roman Empire decided to launch a military expedition against Hungary to restore young Solomon to the throne was seriously injured when, quote, his throne broke beneath him. My throne! In his manor at Domos. <laughs> you fat as hell, dude. You, <laughs> you fucking broke boy. the chair. You big. Damn, you thick, boy. You fucking broke a chair. He broke a chair so bad that he got fucking hurt by it. He's like, oh, Yeesh. can you help oh, me up? No. Actually, I got a spear through me. This sucks. The king, who was, quote, half dead, according to the Illuminated Chronicle, was taken to the western borders of his kingdom, where he died at the creek Caninzia uh, on 11th of September, 1063. So they brought, I don't know why they brought him to the edge of the, they don't say why, but it is like funny. That's what you gotta like, do. That's what you you're do taking this me to time. a hospital? you taking me? And they're like, we're taking you to a very nice place. And it's like, you didn't even take me to the fucking river, dude. You took me to a creek? You took me to the creek? Come on, man. Anyway, well, don't die on your chair, all right? Come back next week and stay safe out there. We're back for all your no, beans. You, get no, this get out, beans. get out. No, no. Uh, Frankie's hungry. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, my God.